1: Welcome to Sportsman Colorado. Thank you so much for being with us today. We've got a great show in store for you. This last weekend, um, we were able to go down to the Outdoorsman Days in Florence, Colorado. It was actually a two-day event, but uh, I could not get down there for both days, but enjoyed going down Saturday and uh, just enjoying all the... Different uh, seminars and, and and some some classes basically they had, and uh, from elk calling to was skinning a mountain lion, and uh, it was really really cool. And then and then we uh, culminated that with a great banquet on Saturday night. And the gentleman that headed it all up, Mr. Dan Gates, joins us today. So Dan, thanks for being with us. How are you? Are you getting any gotten any rest yet?
2: <laughs> well, thanks a bunch for having me, Scott. No, we haven't gotten any rest yet. We it took us all day Sunday to. Close down, pull uh. down everything, clean everything up, and then we were hauling stuff back to the rental places and so forth yesterday. And, and, and to be honest with you, we have, a, we have such a pile of paperwork from from the event that we're going through not only just the money side of it, but the receipts and the donations and you know all the information you're trying to go through and it's it's like chasing packing peanuts in a windstorm
1: (laughs) man. well overall and just from you know just observing things uh just saturday man it sure looked like a um you know well done on, on your end and you know you're always nervous when you're putting on these things want everything to go well but Man, looking around, you know, when you first pulled in there, you had the CBA guys there, Henry and Wes were there from the Colorado Bowhunter Association. And I'm telling you, Saturday, I kept going over there to try to interview those guys. They were busy all day with kids over there, mostly kids. You know, there were some adults, too. Um, And I heard several shooting bows for the first time, so that was cool. And then, like I say, you just had a jam-packed schedule there with a lot of different folks there um, doing some cool things.
2: Yeah, and it was it was kind of hard to, to quantify just how many people came through at different times because you'd look and go, well, there's not very many people in here, but there'd be a ton of people over at the Parks and Wildlife booths and archery area, or there'd be a bunch over there at the CBA side, like what you said, or we had people coming in from the hunter education classes and mm-hmm. you know, doing some of the seminars and demonstrations. We had people returning from the fishing derby that the kids got to participate in. They, they were catching pound-and-a-half and, and two-pound bluegill perch and sunfish that were... They were stocked in there. Wow. Uh, and, and I tell you what, you know, then you'd turn around and a little bit of a cloud burst would come over with maybe some sprinkles, and you'd look around and you'd have several hundred people underneath that pavilion with the vendors and the demonstrations and the seminars and stuff going on. And we were still trying to prepare for that night's banquet and auction sure. um, at the same time. And, and it was just, it was a festival-like mentality uh, and, and atmosphere. You know, we had some, some live live music, some Celtic music players and some fiddle players and bagpipers and players. we had as much as you could possibly have uh, and, and, uh, and try to, you know, there was one guy that came in, he wanted to, he wanted to sell some hound puppies and we had a blacksmith on site. And we had blood tracking demonstrations from the Rocky mountain big game recovery and United houndsmen were there doing their demos. And it was just, it was, it was the culmination of an event that we had tried to start back before COVID and things just kind of got sidetracked, as you well know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we were able to pull it off. And I think one of the most inspiring things about this whole deal was the phone calls and outreach that we've had since Saturday night from entities, state organizations, businesses, and individuals alike saying, what can we do to make this bigger, better, meaner, faster, and stronger for 2024? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, I think it's what we need, and we need to have more of those events around the state. But I can't thank enough the participation of individuals and sponsors that make this happen. And, and it was really inspirational to see how it actually came together.
1: Sure. Once again, Dan Gates, is our guest. And you've heard Dan on the show a number of years now, and uh, most of the time Colorado Trapper and Predator Hunter Association. But, Dan, let's give our listeners a little background of kind of what the, what your, what when I say your mission, you know, your mission was with this event. And uh, just kind of talk about some of the battle that's going on right now.
2: Well, I appreciate that too, Scott. I mean, the the Coloradoans for Responsible Wildlife Management was one of the the hosts of this, and that's an organization that myself and a friend of mine, Chris Journey, formulated back in 2017. And the mission of that organization is to enhance, promote, and defend the North American model of wildlife conservation. And every organization, sporting organization on the planet, adheres to that model. They support that model. And as I explained on Saturday night and Friday night when we had our Blood Origins dinner with the debut of their documentary. We might have differences on the landscape when it comes to archery versus muzzleloading, or maybe it's hound hunting versus pheasant guys, and might be trapping versus you know predator calling, or whatever it might be. The the biggest thing is we all adhere to the North American model, and what's necessary on that landscape. And I can tell you, the battles that we have before us are nothing compared to what we've seen behind us. Mm-hmm. And if we don't figure out a way to to enhance our position on the landscape, broaden our net. There's not going to be much, you know, to, to thank, be thankful for down the road. Uh, and, I, and I just have to say, events like what we did help put together associations and organizations like what we have. Right. And you saw things in this banquet, in this two-day setting, that actually happens with houndsmen in the same room with archery hunters and archery hunters in the same room with pheasant hunters and non-hunters and ranchers and agriculture producers because they're sick and tired of being run over, told what to do, and having their rights and privileges taken away. And what we try to do is sustain that opportunity by having lobbying representation at the Colorado State Capitol, participating through the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission process, doing education and public awareness campaigns on television and social media, and events like what we did at Outdoorsmen Days on Friday and Saturday are the catalyst to set that to another level and make sure that we, if we don't win, we're going to put up a fight and we're going to at least slow it down.
1: Sure, and you know what? I mean, I think you know your title. Even instead of saying you know, hunting and fish show, whatever the case may be, I think just being an outdoorsman, uh, you know, that, that's a wide umbrella, so to speak, that's opened up there, and a lot of people fit under it, don't they?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, whether you're a, you know, you could be a mountain biker, you could be a rock climber, you could be, you know, just a, a whether it's a fly fisherman or maybe it's just a bird hunter. Uh, knowing that, that natural resources are managed appropriately that, and that hunting and fishing licenses, for the most part, pay that fundamental component and that mechanism for that management, uh, people, people start to take value in it because it affects them individually. It's, it's something that they can see that they benefit from and they don't have to hunt they just have to be able to acknowledge that hunting is positive for the landscape it's it's positive for the economic side of things and, and for wildlife management and for species conservation and habitat conservation yep knowing that mm-hmm. knowing, knowing that it it just it it brings a different group of people into the fold because they see the good about what's going on and they don't necessarily always listen to the bad that's being displayed that somebody's trying to bastardize what hunting and fishing do for conservation and for wildlife management
1: sure and i think one thing that showed you know at the banquet you know uh, saturday night and i'm sure friday night too like I say i was unable to attend that one but was just you know an educated explanation of what what's going on what we're facing and i think it quickly showed people were willing to give to that
2: yeah they they uh they gave handily too and and uh from ten year old kids that turned around and donated stuff yeah tell that story time. tell that story yeah so so that was a that was a really tear jerking moment and people people commented since then and even that night that they'd not been to banquets before where they teared up very often you know mostly it's some somewhat you know blah 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 type stuff but this kid he bought a he bought a raffle ticket uh, a fifty two card raffle ticket a playing card and he won on a, on a about a $1,500 custom-made muskrat fur blanket. And as he came up with a big grin on his face, he was walking back to his dad, and one guy stood up, and he said, I'll give you $2,000 for that blanket. And that kid turned around and looked at him, and he looked at his dad, and and, and he, he said, okay. Well, he turns around, and he goes walking over to give that guy the the blanket, and as he's walking back past me, the guy says, he's, he was one of our sponsors, he said, he said, I'll square up up in front with you and get squared away, and, And I asked that that boy, I said, what are you going to do with that money? And he stopped and he turned around and he said, I'm going to give it back. I said, you're going to give it back. I said, get up here on the stage, young man. And he got up on the stage and I said, what do you mean you're going to give it back? And I gave him the mic and he says, I want to help support so I can hunt.
1: Wow. And I did have to, and I was saying that because Dan told me this morning, but I, I did have to slip back and get back to Denver from Florence. But, yeah, I can see real quick, man, people were not expecting that response.
2: They weren't expecting it. And just to see the reaction, and we did a call out that night shortly thereafter, and I said, you know, there's the, anti, the anti-hunting the anti organizations that get in and these, these banquets, they, they – they raffle off or auction off an opportunity to participate. Very seldom do they have items that you take home or excursions and hunts. They just say, we want to start, stop this, and we're going to start the bidding at 5000 or $10,000 or whatever it might be. Sure. I did that on on Saturday night, and we generated over $20,000 in that one 30-second interval where people just held their bidding card up and said, we want to contribute. But they did it on the coattails of that young man that, that decided to give back $2,000 on something – that he really wanted for his bedroom. Yeah. And uh, and, I, and I tell you what, I mean, talk about not only a tearjerker if you're really interested in, and passionate about conservation, but to, to see how much value we put into what we do and we talk about it for the kids, but when kids start to turn around and, and reciprocate that because they see the enthusiasm on the landscape, it's really hard to deny that, that we're doing the right thing for the right reasons and our oppositional forces are of evil intent and their agenda is is to take us out of the equation at all levels, no matter what age we are.
3: Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, you know, we've said this many times last time you were on with Will Marquardt, uh with Davis 10 as well. We just said, you know, there's a lot of great organizations out there, and everybody's kind of fighting their own fight, so to speak. And I, would I be right in saying it this way, that our goal is trying to bring all these groups together, all these individuals together, and all the outdoorsmen together, no matter what you may enjoy doing in the outdoors to help us all fund this fight that we are up against.
2: It's a it's a significant battle that we're up against, and the oppositional forces are well-funded, well-organized, and their intent is to stop it all. And what we've done historically is, is we, we stay in our own wheelhouses, no matter what method of take or or, or what sort of uh, specific species that we're after. You know, one thing that's, that's kind of comical but con- concerning and maybe confusing is you, you, you talk to sportsmen, and a guy will say, "Well, I'm a bow hunter." Another guy says, "Well, I'm a pheasant hunter." Another guy says, "Well, I'm a trapper." How about just saying we're sportsmen? Mm-hmm. And, it, and and I take that I take that like when people say, "I'm an Asian American," or "I'm an African American," or "I'm an Irish American." How about just saying we're Americans? Right. And oh, no. and, and I think it goes into the same the same context. Everybody's got their individual beliefs, but at, but at the same time. We're in the same boat. We're up against oppositional forces that are probably uh, not gonna stop, but we can keep the wolves at bay, no pun intended, uh, to make sure that we try to sustain the North American model of wildlife conservation, game management agencies that are doing what's right by the science-based management objectives, and not bring emotion and political agendas into the conversation where, where we have no control because you can't change people's emotions, yep. but you can't educate them to where their emotional input comes from an educated position.
1: Absolutely, man. Well said. All right. So what's a couple minutes here, but what what's the best way for people to to follow what's going on and not only follow, but get involved and donate, donate even more to our cause
2: here? So I, I would I would suggest to keep an eye on two different websites, two different organizations. One that I'm that I'm the, the ringleader of, the other one that I'm a vice chair and a in a very big part of. Uh, the first one is the Coloradoans for Responsible Wildlife Management, and anybody can go to SaveTheHuntColorado.com and you can get in on there and donate or participate and see what we're trying to trying to organize and functionalize the other organization is the colorado wildlife conservation project the acronym for the for that is cwcp and you can go to both of those to get updated on the legislative side of things and on the commission side of things and then the other thing i would say is pay close attention to social media for what we're going to be doing in the near future on updates for legislative issues and commission issues when it comes to trying to change what we do and take away the privileges and the rights. Okay. And then last but not least, Scott, I would say uh, come down and help us out and attend the the Outdoorsman Days next year on August 9th and 10th in Florence, Colorado, and help us take it from several thousand people to maybe even bigger, better, meaner, faster, stronger than what we could ever imagine, And, and engage and participate and get your associations and your neighbors and your entities and and everybody involved, because the facility can handle it. The opportunity that's there is, is undeniable, and it's right on the Arkansas River. It's a great big facility in Fremont County, and uh, if we do some of any one of those things that I just mentioned, right, we can start to make a di- difference uh, between all of us.
1: Yep, and it's got to start somewhere, and hey, it's got to start with each of us individually, okay? We can't depend on our 45 bucks to Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, or whatever, you know, and just just turned over to thinking some entity going to fight all these battles for us, all right? So, hey, savethehuntcolorado.com, and then the other one, Dan, the CWCP, hit that one again.
2: Yeah, that's the Colorado Wildlife Conservation Project. Okay, you can look that up, and and that's updated. That's an organization of 21 different groups, state national and regional entities, including RMEF and NWTF and all the major acronym organizations you can think of. And, and that's, our, that's our think tank. That's our mechanism and our conduit directly to the capital from the organizational side of things. Okay. And then the, and the, the Colorado and Ford Responsible Wildlife Management has the lobbying representation to be able to provide that mechanism for legitimate leadership and representation at the Gold Dome.
1: All right, bud. Well, hey, man, it was good to see you. Congrats on the job well done, and uh, we will continue in the fight here and let us know when we need to get you back on to give us any updates, sir.
2: I appreciate it. One final thing I would say is is pay attention to the sponsors of events of this and other things because those are the ones that are funding all of this. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Wilmore Corps. I want to give a shout-out to Davis Tent and all those other guys because without the money to help produce a lot of these opportunities, this stuff won't happen.
1: Yep. So. No, you're hundred percent right. So yeah, we appreciate them for sure. Well, Dan, thank you very much, sir, and we'll catch up real soon.
2: Thank you very much, Scott. Appreciate it. Aim small, miss small. All
1: right, but thanks so much. Hey, when we come back, we're gonna we did a couple of other interviews while we were down in Florence at the Outdoorsman's Days, and uh we're gonna be playing those for you next. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sportsman of Colorado here on KLZ five sixty. Hey, this is Scott Whatley. You know, there are many responsibilities of being a pet owner, and an important one this time of the year comes from me and our friends at Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. Hey, here's five quick rules on how to keep your pet safe in the heat of summer. Rule number one. Never leave your pet inside a parked car or truck during the summer months. Leaving a pet inside a parked car is the number one cause of heat-related death in pets. It only takes a mildly warm day and a few minutes for temperatures to rise inside a parked car and they'll skyrocket to dangerous levels. For a pet in a hot car, terrible suffering and death will soon follow. Rule number two, make sure your pet has plenty of cool, fresh water at all times. Number three, Limit your pet's outdoor activities to early morning and evening hours. Our rule number four, provide a shaded space for your pet when outdoors that you can supervise. And rule number five, the absolute best way to protect your pet from overheating in the heat of the summer is to keep it indoors at home where it will be cool and safe. Hey, we all love our pets. Let's keep them safe this summer. Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, 8681 Lincoln Avenue. 303-708-8050, and you can find other great tips on their blogs at Lone Get relief from Flesh and Beck Law. You just got in an accident, so you call the police. You make sure you get a thorough record of the scene. Then after the initial adrenaline wears off, your mind starts to swirl with all the things you need to do: insurance claims, car repairs, doctor visits, medical bills, on top of the physical pain you're in. Flesh and Beck will give you relief from the financial stress so that you can focus on healing. Call Flesh and Beck immediately after your accident for a free consultation. Then you can rest while they talk to your insurance company. Personal injury attorney Kevin Flesh will relieve your burden of financial worries. All you need to do is to call him right now at 303 806 8886. Call Kevin Flesh immediately after the accident and get relief from the financial stress of an injury. Flesh and Beck Law they get results. It's summertime and the temperatures are warming up, but let me tell you about the super hot deals happening right now at the Outdoorsman's Attic. Hey, this is Scott Watley, and if you're looking for huge savings on hunting, fishing, and camping gear, go to 2650 West Hamden to visit our friends at the Outdoorsman's Attic. You'll also find great selection of guns and ammo, as well as gunsmithing services. If you have some hunting and fishing and camping gear and you're just not using it anymore, turn it into cash at the Outdoorsman's Attic, once again, 2650 West Hamden in Sheridan. It's Colorado's greatest outdoor consignment store. And tell them Scott sent you.
3: This is KLZ 560, your home station.
1: Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado again. Thank you so much for joining us. Just a quick reminder now, if you miss our live show on Saturdays, 1 to 2, you can catch us twice on Sundays, and that's from 8 to 9 a.m. And once again in the evening, 7 to 8 p.m. And, yes. Last week, we, and we were down at the Outdoorsman's Days in Florence, Colorado. And um, a lot of our folks are down here that we are friends with, including one of those is Big Game Recovery and Scott Gillespie, which is the president of the Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery. So love the sound of a dog, Scott, no matter what.
3: Yeah, you're going to hear that around here, the Houndsman's Days, man. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. You bet. All right. I know you're going to do a seminar here, and I'm, in a
1: few minutes, I just want you to kind of tell folks kind of what you cover in a seminar. But I was telling you before we uh, started our recording today is the first question that I get asked when I tell people about you, and, uh, you know, with it, we're getting into stories about them losing an animal, and I tell them about you, and the first question is, man, is that legal? Can you do that? So just take a minute and... Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, in uh, 2015, Colorado legalized the use of a leash tracking dog to recover big game animals. Um, you know, it says it even in the uh, big game brochures right now. There's one sentence in there that says you can use one leash tracking dog to recover uh, um, a wounded big game animal. And that's all the the uh, uh, application talks about there's actually quite a bit of a law that you have to follow you just can't go get the family dog and and go out and and find a wounded elk or deer you need to follow those laws and one of the laws the first one is you have to be licensed to uh to run a leash tracking dog. It's $40 cost. You have to get it at a Colorado Parks and Wildlife Office. And then there's other laws. Before you uh, run a track, you have to call your local office and tell them you're running a track give them the hunter's name, his CID number, and what animal you might be trying to recover. Um, Tell them where you're at, what game management unit. Um, Sometimes I'll I'll even tell them what drainage we might be in. Um, Then once you do, you have five days to call back and tell them whether you were successful or not. All
1: right. That simplifies it pretty good. Cool. All right. Once again, it's Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery, and they are dedicated to promoting resource conservation through the use of trained leash tracking dogs in the ethical recovery of the big game. But you know what? It all starts really, Scott, with just knowing your effective range whether it be with a rifle or a bow and trying to make a good shot but we've all been there when the animal may turn at that last second especially with a bow or things like that so you were telling me during your seminar here uh, yesterday that you did where you kind of started out a blood trail and kind of what an animal does when it does bleed all right so kind of walk us through that and take as long as you want to explain this
3: Okay, what we do here is, you know, I'm getting ready to do this next seminar. We're outdoors here, and it's kind of hard to do a, um, a PowerPoint or anything when you're outdoors. So what we did yesterday is we actually laid a blood track um, just on the outskirts of the facility right here, and I had the crowd follow us through that blood track um, just to kind of experience um, what it's really like to, to be called out on a track.
1: So when you, so someone calls you, alright, let's kind of go through the, your, your interview questions of what you may ask them to find out, you know, uh, and we were just talking with a gentleman here before we came on air that, uh, you know, you got to figure out, hey, is this worth worth my time and I'll just put it that way or not.
3: Yeah, the first, you know, I, I get a lot of phone calls, mainly, you know, once archery opens up here in, in Colorado, so it'll be September 2nd. Um, there's about Uh, 50 questions I can ask a guy and I'm trying to determine whether it's worth our time to go out and attempt a recovery on that animal. Uh, First questions I'm going to ask is where are you and how close can I get a vehicle to where you took the shot because here in Colorado it, it you You might be five hour drive away from me and once I get there, if you tell me it's a three mile hike off the trailhead to get in there, chances are I'm not going to have the time to go do that track. Um, Doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you the questions and give you my best opinion on what I think might have happened. but. Uh, The questions I ask is, uh, what equipment were you using to shoot the animal? Um, What broad, you know, if it's an archery shot, what broadhead might you have been using? What angle was the animal standing when when you hit him with the arrow? And, you know, it's really important because animals can change real quick. And so you've got to, you know,
1: be watching. And you know what? It's, it's it's hard because you're excited, you know you're fixing to release an arrow, but then you've got to get your mind in, all right, I've got to turn my mind into a recorder right now to figure out maybe what he did when I released the arrow, which way he went, okay, and kind of get some markers in your mind even before you, you move, right?
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, you're in the heat of the moment when you take the shot. I mean, the adrenaline's yeah. pumping, and it's hard for people to – try to 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 visualize exactly what happens but but you know if you can put yourself in the moment and try to remember exactly what that animal hap what that animal did when you did shoot that that shows us a lot of uh or tells me a lot of information uh with the bow hunters you know a lot of times i'll have the arrow uh i can get a lot of information off that arrow um the um um, the the angle of the shot is huge, um, you know. And a bow hunter usually can tell me um, what angle he was at, what what how how far the shot was, and where he hit the animal. I I do get I do do rifle calls. Um, I do do some long range rifle shots and a lot of those calls, it, you know, they know they hit him. We have blood at the hit site. We have no idea where that animal was hit. So um, 80% of our phone calls are archers, but we do do rifle calls though, too. Right.
1: Once again, we're visiting with Scott Gillespie, Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery. His number 970-222-6946 nine seven zero two 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 six nine four six and yes those are his uh, faithful companions in the background here now i was i was shocked the first time i had you on the show and got to meet you to figure out what breed of dogs you use so kind of walk us through that a little bit
3: you know <laughs> There's a lot of different breeds of dogs that guys use to do this work. Um, one of the most popular breeds is is the Dachshund. And then even here today I, I have the Dachshund. You can hear her barking in the background. Um, a lot of people will come up to me is that you know, is that your companion dog that you just take on these hunting trips? No, she is right now she is my main dog. Um, the good thing about the Dachshund is um, their prey drive is, is through the roof. They, she wants to kill everything. You know, if I have a rabbit in the yard, she's gonna chase it off, a squirrel. So, she wants she wants to, um, with her experience, this will be her sixth year, she knows what we're doing, she knows what's possibly at the end, and she's gonna do everything in her power to, She her, her main goal is she wants to have a, a chunk chew on the liver at the end of the blood trail. So. Um, you know they're short legged. They they keep their nose on the ground. And a lot of guys, hey, that, how's that dog doing mountain terrain? I'll tell you what, you cannot keep up with a dachshund on the side of a mountain. You hit that downfall, that dog is going under them logs, and you're trying to stumble over the top to keep up with her. She will beat most big dogs uh, on the side of a mountain. Wow,
1: that's awesome. All right, so. In your seminar, kind of just walk us through kind of your, your key talking points that you kind of help people out when you're doing your seminar.
3: Well, we're going to set up a blood trail over here, and and I try to set it up as much as I can to look like the actual hit site of, a, of an archery shot. I'll show the people the the tree that the hunter might be standing in. I'll have a flag there, and I'll, I'll have actually deer hair and blood at the hit site. Um... I have some other demonstrations I'll do with people how blood drops on on the trail as as you're following a blood trail. In case you can't get a dog, just blood drops can tell a guy a lot about the track that you're on. Maybe what direction the animal was headed headed when it, when the blood dropped. Um, you know um, You know backtracks is another big one if you're on a blood trail and all of a sudden the blood just stops Turn around and go back and see if that deer that elk that you're tracking might have uh, done a backtrack on itself That's very popular and that stops guys a lot right there, too But we'll run the track. I'll have a crowd of people behind me It could be a little bit confusing or a little bit excitable for the dog but I'll use my most experienced dog on this thing, just so she she will ignore the crowd. She she'll be very into the track. I hope. Yeah, exactly. You never know the animals and
1: kids, right? That's what you right. what you're gonna get, That's right? Right. All right. Hey, uh, real quick, last couple of minutes, but. You know, there's a lot of lights out there today that supposedly, boy, you can take hunting and it'll, you know, expose the blood drops and all like that. Is there any lights or anything like that you, that you like to use too, to, when to, you know, when it's dark, to, to expose a blood trail?
3: You know, I, I can't speak for any lights that are out there, you know, to expose blood um, or anything that's on the track. I, I believe there's a few items out there on the market right now. Um, you know, our biggest thing is, is uh, you know, with a human eye and you're doing a blood trail, you're relying on your eyesight. And the only thing that you really got to go is, is blood that's on the trail. You might get lucky and you might find some follicles of hair, or, or if it's a rifle shot, you might find some chunks of bone, maybe from a leg hit or something like that. But when it comes to the dog, nothing beats nothing beats the dog's nose i mean even though us as humans we don't see any blood on the trail that doesn't mean that there's microscopic drops of it on the trail that the dog's nose is picking up so to answer your question scott when it comes to lights i i really am not an expert at that part i probably should investigate it some but do i use anything like that no i totally trust what the dog is telling me. Right,
1: and that's really what I was wanting to see, just what other tools you might use, but hey, it's the dog man's best friend that's going to help you out here with Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery. Once again, Scott's number, 970-222-6946 and um, you can check them out there on Facebook at Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery and also the same website there, Rocky Mountain Big Game Recovery.org for more information, but hey, I'd put Scott's number in your phone. Hey, we both hope you don't need it, but if you do, at least you can call Scott and get his opinion. So Scott, I know you got to get on the seminar stage here in a minute, but we appreciate your time. It's always good to see you. Thanks a lot for having me, Scott. You bet. You're listening to Sports from Colorado. We got to take a quick break and we'll be back with more right after this.
0: Are you in the market for a new firearm or maybe looking to purchase your very first firearm? Well, wouldn't it be great to have an experience worth telling your friends and family about while making such an important purchase? At Bighorn Firearms, we know how important that is, and it's our mission to provide this experience to every customer that walks through our front door. Hi, I'm Ryan, owner of Bighorn Firearms, located in Southeast Denver, and my team and I are customers too. We know what it's like to experience the typical specialty store attitude, and we believe everyone deserves a first class experience when purchasing a firearm. If you're searching for friendly service, a knowledgeable and passionate staff, and a great selection of firearms, We'd like to invite you to Denver's best independent gun store, Bighorn Firearms, one mile east of Evans and I-25. Whether it's your first gun or you've been collecting for years, our friendly and knowledgeable staff are passionate about answering all of your questions. Service and selection is our commitment to you. That's Bighorn Firearms, located at 2175 South Jasmine Street, Suite 105, Denver. Call us now, 303-758-9423, or shop online at bighornusa.com
1: for over 10 years hunters have relied on Onex maps to help navigate public and private land boundaries across the country Onex hunt is the only tool comprised of more than 400 countrywide maps that give clear private and public land boundaries trails, hunting specific data, and more. New map layers are constantly being added by pairing with some of the leading names in conservation and the outdoor industry, like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Boone and Crockett Club, and Eastman's. Whether it's on your smartphone or handheld GPS, make the most of your precious time in the field by navigating with OnX Hunt. Go to the App Store or onxmaps.com. Pay the least Chevy find new roads none of us plan or expect to get stuck and when you do the rest of the scenario usually plays out something like this you're alone it's late it's cold and oh you have no cell service no help no cell service no problem with track grabber Hey, this is Scott Watley with Sportsman of Colorado Radio. Track Grabber gives you the ability to rescue yourself without having to put yourself at the mercy of a stranger. No long waits or hundreds of dollars spent on a tow truck. And Track Grabber is for your car, truck, ATV, UTV, and even commercial vehicles. With Track Grabber in your vehicle, you can have peace of mind and feel safe. And here's the best part. It only takes about 30 seconds to install Track Grabber on each of your tires, and they stay with you as long as it takes to get back to stable terrain. So, in just a couple of minutes, you're back out and on your way. Go to trackgrabber.com. That's T R A C Grabber.com. Use the promo code KLZ and save 20% on your purchase. Remember, no help, no cell service, no problem with Track Grabber.
2: KLZ 560 AM your home station.
1: Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Again, thank you so much for being with us. Well, as I mentioned in our last interview this last weekend, we went down to Florence and went to the Outdoorsman Days there. And, man, a lot of fun. Quite a few of our sponsors are already here. But then we also meet some new folks and make some new friends. And uh, I walked by this one gentleman's area here, and he had these really cool cages, and I wanted to stop and talk with him. So glad to introduce today Cody Cruson, and he's with Clay Creek Cages out of Iowa. So, Cody, Thanks for being with us.
4: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: All right. Now, these cages, really cool. And most of us have seen the wire type cages when you go into maybe some of your stores like, you know, Murdoch's or even Cabela's, some of the storage or some of the wire cages for some of maybe your nuisance animals. But we got some cages here that can help you out even with like bobcats, coyotes, things like that. So, um, Cody, tell us a little about your background and uh, kind of how you got into building cages.
0: Well
4: the building cages kind of come from uh, about four years ago I was working construction and on Facebook and the guy had it for sale and I bought this business from him which I'm really grateful that he gave me the opportunity to push forward and we've been trying to push forward really hard and promoting his cage and it's been a great time ever since I mean I'm, I'm glad I ain't, I ain't looking back I mean we're gonna we're gonna keep going forward and see I mean keep going with it there's not a whole lot of cage guys out there. They're building them, so we're going to keep on going with it and see how far we can take it.
1: And, you know, these are a lot different than, I mean, I'm just looking at the, the sturdiness, the construction, all. Uh, most of us are looking at these little wire mesh rabbit cages we see in some little stores. That ain't what you got here. <laughs> no, these are full-frame cages. I mean, they're all
4: out of uh, hot rolled ground. It's all good material. Uh, the wire is 14-gauge. It's all one piece, all bent. Uh clipped every corner i at least try to get three two to three in each corner because that's where your support comes from you don't want i build these for uh i'm not going for a whole bunch i'm not going to put out i don't want to go for junk i'm not i'm not building bad cages i want my stuff to be quality and i want it to be good and last somebody a lifetime when somebody buys one i want it to last as long as they can
1: and really i mean these are kind of hand Made so to speak, right?
4: Yeah, no, all these are all built. They're all built out of my shop from one stick, a quarter inch, and I cut, bend everything. The only thing I have uh, on my bobcat cages, my cams are laser cut, and my pans are all plasma cut. So,
1: once again, Cody Cruston is with us. Hey, you can check him out on Facebook. Once again, it is Clay Creek cages and uh, if you've got questions for Cody 712-840-0314 again 712-840-0314 all right now it looks easy okay you get a cage you go out and you set it up and hopefully something walks in but there's some tricks of the trade I assume to be successful in this so share a few tips with us and and maybe on specific animals of what people usually come up and talk with you about what they want to trap
4: uh, the the bobcats. You know, you gotta. You can't. It's not. You're not just putting this cage out there somewhere. It, you can't just put a cage out in somewhere and just expect it to catch it. You have to put a little work into it. I mean, this. It, there's a trick to it. I mean, the. I run from the front to the pan. I run a plastic bag over the pan. That way, it keeps all the dirt and debris and everything out of it. And then I have. I'm a big. I, I like the coyote trap back home too. So. I have my coyote sifter and I'll sift in all on the bottom. I'll keep that all good. And in the dead of winter, I will take a, a burlap sap, a sack, and I will wrap it so the snow and stuff doesn't blow in there. And on these cages, I blend them in where you really can't see them. I mean, it's they're blended in real good. And I leave the back open for the bobcats to be able to see to the back and on the coon side they'll go in anything i mean you anybody can catch a coon they're pretty simple to catch and i run a lot of uh, my main bait i run is backwater baits out of iowa i really love running their coon stuff their permesan baits uh, they're really good really good people bruce is a great guy to deal with uh mainly there's so many baits out there it's hard to just give one guy a shout out they're all great i mean stick with one don't jump around and you can dabble in and try other baits but really if you find one that works don't use it don't jump around don't say well this one's working let's try something else unless you want to but i stick with one thing and and that's what when i find something that works i stick with it i don't try to go do other stuff
1: now what about moving how long do you wait do you do you leave it there you know Two or three days then if you're not getting a hit there then you relocate it or how often would you move traps
4: uh depends it really depends where i'm at and if the cats are in the area if i know a cat is in the area i will keep it in there as long as it takes but minimum of like two weeks probably is what i like a minimum but i don't have a lot of trapping pressure where i'm from so i can leave stuff sit a little longer and i got I do got quite a few cages to run back and forth, so it's not short, sure, but probably a week is a minimum you want to leave it there probably is what I would say on the on your bobcat cages on your uh coon cage you can move that as much as you want they wherever they're at
1: just just go with not the brightest I mean they're smart but they're not smart, the brightest probably. animal there yeah all right. Now, uh, you know, you're mentioning some of the different baits and all, but but let's say just people here, you know, in the States where they got a residential area and maybe they're wanting to try to get a coon, you know, that's being a nuisance to them or something like that. Um, I was asking you about, you know, where you put the bait. So now let's say like with a a coon, I mean, some people say, hey, could I put a, a, a can of tuna at the back of the cage or inside the cage? How do you like to locate the bait? All my bait will go in the very back. So, you got
4: to get them committed into that pan to hit the pan. I run a lot of tuna in the summer. It all depends on what time of year is too, like what baits are gonna work, like marshmallows, jelly all that works really good for your coon in the summer. I've had a lot of success with it. Cans of tuna, poke some holes in the top, throw it in the back. I like to wire it in the back so they just don't come in there and just grab a hold of it and leave and like my marshmallows even I'll take a little thing of wire and I'll poke through it and I'll wire it to the back of the cage that way they don't just reach in there grab it and carry on and I make them earn it they yep. they're, they're going to get it they're going to earn it I mean that's but I mean it's it's diff- different baits different time of year I mean it's not just you're not just going to you're not just going to pick one bait all year round might work but a lot of baits work better in the summer you got your fall baits and then you got your winter baits so I mean, it just all varies how it's going to, what bait is my go-to bait of the year. I mean, in your fall, you're not going to, you're not just going to grab hellfire or any really skunky stuff. That's your wintertime stuff, where your winter smear. As like fall, you go with a lighter, a lighter call. Like you're not going to blast them out of the timber with a real high, like hellfire. You're not going to blast them out of timber in the fall that's a really good winter lure to get their attention and on your bobcats you're also going to run a flag if you can run a flag i mean you you're, you're trying to get their attention from a long ways away so keep your flag up to where they can't reach it i mean curiosity always kills a cat so i mean don't let them there's a lot of good people here that did a lot of good demonstrations on telling you the cats and you know keep your flags high keep stuff inside the cage don't let them satisfy their curiosity outside of the you want them inside the cage to satisfy their curiosity not outside
1: now will you go back and, and check cages on a daily basis or do you do because um, i don't know how much your scent getting around there affects anything but what do you do there
4: i mean you got to follow your local game laws i mean I don't, i'm not 100 percent sure on colorado what they're how often you got to check them is i haven't looked into it but me from being, being from iowa it's a 24-hour check you have to check them every day no matter what they are so we're going every day to check them uh i know like montana i think they're a three-day check or two-day don't give me don't quote me on that because i don't know but just follow know your local game laws i mean you got to follow them to a t and uh I mean, your local DNR. Get to know them. Have a good relationship with them. I, I can't say that enough. Be—they're not all bad guys. They're all most of them are really good guys. Yeah. So, just get to know them. Any questions? Ask them. Anything. I mean, that's the main thing. Get to know your laws and get to be friends with everybody. And go to the—I can't emphasize enough for these people to uh, go to these trapping expos or hunting expos and stuff like. I know the state of Colorado. They need every help, or they need help. Like yes, we do. We 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 need people here. Like the more people, we can get to these things, the better off we are. And this ain't all trapping. This is hunting, and period. This there's outdoor stuff. I mean, there's it's it, it's a great time. I I can't get enough people to get to come to these. They just. I mean, I I wish we could get the whole state here coming through.
1: (laughs) Well, as Cody was talking about, and again, we at the time we're recording this, we are uh, live at the Outdoorsman's Days uh, down in Florence, but uh, this was last weekend. Uh, Now, as we air this show, so um, once again, become familiar with this uh, Dan Gates, which you heard on the show just a a few weeks ago. Um, You know, Dan has done a great job here with the Colorado. Trapper and Predator Hunter Association and just a lot of great things here they've had all kinds of seminars here today and uh, it's been awesome so hey next year we will definitely be promoting this Outdoorsman's Days again it's a great family event so I hope you'll be able to make it what I'm going to do I'm going to take some pictures um, of some of the cages that Cody has and we'll put those on our Sportsman of Colorado page uh, so you can see that along with some of the prizes and we were talking before we came on air here um, you know it's great when you can come here because, you know what, you can take one of these and put it in your truck and take it home. But there are some shipping costs, uh, which, of course, is out of Cody's control, and we're actually working on that with maybe a, a few friends to help him out there to cut some of that cost. But I'm telling you, if you're looking for a good, sturdy cage, and, um, again, we will have the different sizes and what Cody offers on our page here uh, by the time this airs. But um, if you got any questions, give him a call, 712 840 three one four and uh, once again it is clay creek cages so cody is always man hey good you know the, uh, man just congrats because you see something like this i mean to be honest with you end of 2012 uh, um, my wife and i we were actually sitting in church to be quite honest with you and i just leaned over to her and i said you know what i'm gonna start an outdoor radio show and i she's like what and i was like i don't know i just am in january of 2013 we had our first show and here we are 2023. So you know what, you got to follow some of your instincts and follow, to do some things you love and man, you got a great product here. So we wish you nothing but great success. And hopefully we'll see you in Colorado here at some of our shows we're doing.
4: Yeah, no, uh, thanks for having me on. And, uh, it's, it's been a great time and yeah, sometimes you just got to take a leap of faith and, and run with it. And I wouldn't change anything for the world. We're having a great time. It's fun coming out to different States and visiting and, uh, like we'll be in Kansas, Salina, Kansas. I think they're having uh, their trapping convention or something going on there in a couple weeks, I think. So we'll be there next.
1: All right, man. Well, we appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Once again, it's Clay Creek Cages. Cody Krusen. that's K-R-U-S-E-N. His number, 712-840-0314. Check him out on Facebook, Clay Creek Cages. You're listening to Sports from Colorado. we got to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more right after this.
0: Riding an e-bike will make you feel like a kid again. Just try it. Hi, I'm Randy Crancy, founder of e-bike of Colorado. E-bikes are a fun way to ride the trails. Pedal Assist technology flattens the steepest hills. We have 14 major brands to choose from, and our expert staff will find you the perfect bike. Come take a free test ride at e-bike of Colorado in downtown Louisville, next to the historic Grain Elevator. Open seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Learn more at ebikeofcolorado.com. Just try it. Before we get back
1: to the show, you know, our eyes are very important. Let me tell you who I've been trusting my eye care to. It is Stack Optical. For over 10 years, hey, Alan's been taking great care of us, and he will take great care of you as well. Their eye exam, folks, is only $69, and it has been $69 for years. And Alan just says, hey, they want to. Give a great eye exam, a thorough eye exam, and take care of you so they've never raised that price. So get in. Give them a call. 303-321-1578 for all your optical needs. If you're needing a new pair of glasses, hey, you want to have a a better experience in the outdoors, whether it's golf, riding your bike, they've got the Stack Sports Pack, so prescription sunglasses. Maybe you've got a hard prescription no one else has been able to figure out. Give Allen Stack a chance at Stack Optical. Of course, they can handle repairs, your contacts, all of it, right there at 2233 South Monaco Parkway in Denver, 303-321-1578, stackoptical.com is the website. And I always tell you, at Stack Optical, you'll see the difference.
3: This is AM560 KLZ, your home station.
1: Want to thank all of our guests today hey big shout out to scott gillespie with rocky mountain big game recovery cody and uh hey if you're interested in those cages get in touch with cody and also dan gates and uh i'm telling you dan has done a great great job in helping us uh, with this fight for all of our rights with hunting and i hope you'll really go to their uh, page and take a look at all they're doing it's coloradans for responsible wildlife management and as Dan said, uh, as he was going through his last few minutes there, their goal is to enhance, promote, and defend the North American model of wildlife conservation. And one thing we've talked about a lot at the outdoorsman days is how do we get all these groups together with Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Ducks Unlimited, Pheasant Forever, Mule Deer Foundation, and I could go on and on. But how do we get all of these together to keep doing the things they, they're doing for their individual causes, but then also get some funds in to help fight the fight, so to speak. And so, hey, get in touch with them at Coloradans for Responsible Wildlife Management. Stay in touch with them on their social media. Also, save the SaveTheHuntColorado.com is a great website that will keep you informed. So look look at that. And um, that can be a lot of great information as well. Also, I just want to mention this. On September 2nd, Jermaine Hodge is going to be with us. Jermaine, um, many of you may know, elk calling and a great guy, great hunter, but he did an elk calling seminar there at the Outdoorsman Days and I tell you I'd never really seen someone go through all the different things that he did. So I gave him a call and asked him if he'd come on the show and we're going to give him the whole hour on September 2nd to do an elk calling seminar and uh, we're going to try to figure out a way to get some live video for that as well, but I hope you'll join us. Jermaine Hodge will be on Sportsman of Colorado Radio September 2nd for the full hour with an outstanding elk calling seminar. So I hope you'll stay tuned for that as well. Hey, a quick note for our sponsors. Uh, Take a look, and I don't say enough about this as I should. Of course, you hear the ads during the show, but I hope you'll check out our page, sportsmanofcolorado.com. And uh, check out our sponsors there, and hey, we would appreciate if you'd give them a chance to earn your trust and earn your business without them. We could not do this show. And if you haven't got your HEX gear, hey, get in touch with HEX. That's H-E-C-S, Human Energy Concealment System. I'm telling you, it's made a big, big difference for me, and we're going to be getting Mike Slinkard back on the show as well. So once again, thank all of our guests. I want to thank you for being with us today on the show. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and we will talk to you next week. expressed on KLZ 560 or those of the speakers